Hey, and welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name's Daniel. I'm joined around the table with Greg Harris. Hello. And Jeff Buckham. Hello. And guys, it is almost that time of the year, isn't it? It's the end of summer, the waning days. The sun disappears sometimes. Even on certain days. On certain days. It goes away. And then in the middle of the day, the sun goes away, and then it comes back. Can anyone confirm for me whether there was an eclipse that happened recently? Yeah. It was, you know, up here where we lived, I was expecting more. Back in 1979, I have this memory of, as, as a seven-year-old boy of living in Seattle of a, a much darker eclipse. So I think that we were more, we must have been in, what do they call that? The totality ro- range or whatever back in the, like oh, what I did there? Totality zone. <clears throat> totality zone. You're the totality? But I was expecting something like that. And then I was riding my bike with my wife and it just looked like things got a little dimmer for a short period and then went mo- more. So I don't know. Yeah. When a bunch of us from the office were outside. <laughs> I saw uh, a picture of that. Hanging out and uh, looking through Dave Berg's welding mask. Okay. At it. And uh, the only thing that one of the guys said was, uh, hey, it feels a little bit cooler. I was like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that was my dad. He was going on about, it's definitely cooler outside, isn't it? Yeah, it's crisper. I was inside. (laughs) I don't know. It's got a little crispy, crispy temperature. He got his iPad out and he was trying to do a time lapse. Can I just say, uh... can I just make a comment? Here's a hot take. The people who take photos with their iPads. I love them. I love them. I know. I love walking down the street and seeing people hold up their massive 13 inch iPad and taking photos of the sunset. I think we should do that with our computers though. Don't you think? Your laptop? With your webcam. Yeah. I just love still. Bring the whole desktop out. Yeah. I just think it's hilarious. I do too. And they're quite like, uh, go for it. Mm. I'm not trying to say don't do it. And Greg, just, what, are the, what is the age range of these people usually? Mostly. Call it out. What like, age range are they? We're looking 40 plus. 40 plus. Um, that hurts. What? That hurts. That's not. I don't know. Why is it all of a sudden forty plus that people do that? There's nobody the my age. age. Not, I don't. There's anybody my age who do does that. Want? But Jeff, yeah, okay, like I be older than that. Let's say fifty plus. Fifty plus millennials. Anyone older than forty? Uh, I don't even know, like. I don't even get it. Does the world exist before ninety two? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Calm down. Well, that was down, a great Jeff. little bit there. Hey, we should let our listeners know that, you know, as this is where I was going with this, as the seasons are winding down, we enter new seasons. For example, fall. And what comes up this fall? <laughs> what comes up this fall? What is, we have a big fall kickoff. What comes after fall? What's that? Someone tell us about the fall kickoff. The fall kickoff is happening on uh, the weekend of September 9th. I don't know. That weekend after Labor Day weekend. So you have Labor Day weekend and then you have the following weekend after that. That's fall kickoff. Fall kickoff is a party had on Sunday afternoon, that Sunday afternoon. It's usually the first week of the Seahawks because... September 10th. Yeah, all the Seahawks fans show up and we're all excited until the second quarter when we can't score. And then, yeah, we're not happy anymore. The Seahawks are going to have a rough year losing George Fant. They're going to have No, they re-signed another guy. Oh, phew. We finally replaced the large Fant hole. So... We are, um, we are, you guys, they're fist bumping over the, I don't the know why use of the <laughs> that deserved a phrase <laughs> fan hole. Um, 
I don't even know what it's talking about now because of the George fall kickoff. thing. Oh, fall kickoff. Yes, we're going to be having a, a party. There will be hot dogs. By the way, I think that the fall kickoff hot dogs at Northview are the best hot dogs there are. In Can you throw a guarantee down on that? They No, they are better. I've always believed that the Costco hot dog is the best hot dog. Yep. But the the Northview fall kickoff hot dog surpasses the Costco hot dog, and it's, and it's the bread. We get it from Cobb's Bakery, mm-hmm. and... It it is off the hook. They are phenomenal hot dogs, and they have mm. we'll have samosas there. Wow, and lots of parties and games and bouncy castle all things and uh, all sorts of cool stuff. Snow and cones. I actually think this year I'm getting shot with paint pellets. Ooh. What? Yeah, I think my wife is supposed to shoot me with paint pellets or something like that. So have you ever been shot by a paintball gun? I have. I have. It doesn't feel good. It does not feel good. <laughs> but just... there'll be a. It'll be fun. Fun had by all, except for me because I'll be hit. With paint pellets. But anyway, we'll have a good time. This Mission Campus also has an event up at the Mission Campus. So we're doing two of them this year. We're doing one here in the Abbotsford Campus, and we're doing one up at the Mission Campus. Similar sort of stuff. So go to your local church campus, and you will enjoy some good food and good times. And shooting paintballs at your pastor. Is it... Now, you got to fill me on this. Fill me in on this. Is that... Do you pay... And maybe the money goes towards missions. Dude, I have and no then you idea. Get to I didn't put the. I didn't put. I. I was part of the idea stage, but the uh, actual practical outworking of it. Yeah, I don't know. You didn't veto the paint pellet. No, no. I actually thought the paint pellet idea was a really good one. Really? Yeah. This is a rough brainstorming session. That no, was fun. All right. It's fun. We'll see. Right. I think you're involved too. I think your wife's shooting you. Oh. Okay. You might not be, but yeah. we should we'll make see. it your, so your wife shoots yeah. you with a Greg, with this is one of those examples of marriage is good, but singleness is better. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Greg Harris. That's good it. trade. Good. This is a good trade. From the, so anyway, all of our ministries start the weekend, week after that, so we're getting all geared up and excited for all that kind of stuff here. Anyway, segue. Segue into our next topic, which is Greg again. Greg, you've done two wow. weeks. Well, I guess it started three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And you did two back-to-back on the Holy Spirit. And we got some questions in on the Holy Spirit. And one of them was this. Can you tell us the distinction between the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit in the New Testament? Because we see things in the Old Testament where the in Genesis, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. Mm-hmm. What is that referring to? Um, what does it refer to, to God's Spirit in, in the Old Testament? And then how has that changed? Does the Spirit change in the New? Or is it just given more of a, a front seat? Can you mm-hmm. elaborate? Uh, yeah, happy for this to be a dialogue too with Jeff and you as well, Daniel. I think the one way to help understand it is that because we know now that God has always existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that uh, it's not as though the Holy Spirit has changed from Old Covenant to New Covenant, uh, but the experience of God's people with the Holy Spirit in the New Covenant is more expansive and uh, exhaustive isn't the right word, but it's a it's a deeper and a more permanent experience for the new covenant people than it was for the old covenant. Right, less iterative, huh? There you huh? go. You less like that? Iterative. Iterative uh, means that it comes and goes. It's more right? consistent for the new covenant people to be filled with right the Holy so Spirit. You, so you get stories about builders building the the uh, the tabernacle and certain and the Spirit coming and filling them for that particular task. We said we have a kind of filling in the New Testament as well, but the the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit with yeah. the believer is a consistent thing in the new in the new covenant. That in fact, that's the mark of the new covenant is mm-hmm. that the Spirit is with us. 
mm-hmm. until Christ returns. Right. So the spirit came upon David and it, the Holy Spirit came upon different people at different mm-hmm. times in the Old Testament. And yet now it's not just, you know, the, the leaders of God's people who will be uh, filled with or encounter the spirit in direct ways. It is every single person. Part of this is the is the priesthood of all believers, the the viewpoint. That doesn't that, mean everybody's going to be gifted in the same way, though. Right, right? right. So when we say the Spirit's going to come on and might might give somebody with a gift of prophecy, that means yep. that doesn't mean everybody's going to prophesy. All different kinds of people are going to prophesy. That's mm-hmm. what that's what Peter's doing when he cites Joel two in Acts. Mm-hmm. He's trying to say uh, it used to be a case that only the special few got the the Holy Spirit came right. upon them that they might prophesy. Now it's going to be old men and young women and like all sorts of people. Mm-hmm. are going to, but we'll be gifted with certain abilities and those abilities through the filling of the spirit will be able to be used by believers to edify the church. So, so deeper, more, not reliable, but more consistent yep. presence of the spirit with the new covenant believer. Yeah. Hmm. So then when you mentioned the builders being filled with the spirit, mm-hmm. how does that contrast to Peter being filled with the spirit when he's giving uh, his sermon? They don't. Is it I'm not, not sure I'd contrast them. I'd Is it say the that same sort of filling. Yeah, I'd say it's part of the consistent message. I will say though, the Book of Acts is really a story about the filling of the Spirit mm-hmm. in people and the great works that the Spirit of God does. We call it. It's called the Acts of the Apostles, but really it should be called you know Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles mm-hmm. or something to that effect. You know Psalm 51, where David. Uh, says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Hmm. So those are words of an old covenant believer. That's the kind of thing that could happen, right? That and what he means by that is, please don't take your anointing as king as away from me. Don't don't leave me uh, in, in that sense. A new covenant believer what, wouldn't pray that, right? Mm-hmm. Where we, the Spirit is, is with us. To, to be in Christ is to be led by the Spirit. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then explain this to me about the spirit always being near us. When someone begins to live a life of sin and they begin to, I guess, silence that spirit, what would the language be? Would you? I would think that the language of grieve the Holy Spirit applies to that. Uh, that's a New Testament text. I, I can't remember in Thessalonians, I think, but I, th- I think that's what it means to grieve the spirit. So does the spirit become silent the more you grieve it to the point where God I, gives you over then to your sins? I, I don't know. I don't know. What we know uh, the Holy Spirit does in the lives of believers is the conviction of sin mm. and the leading towards righteousness in, in our specific situations. And so um, we can expect as believers that when we do sin, that the Spirit will accompany that sin with conviction. Mm. Uh, because in our own power, our own flesh, we wouldn't be convicted of sin because John tells us we actually really like the darkness uh, but the spirit doesn't, and so he'll convict us uh, when we sin. So if you uh, habitually, persistently are unrepentant in areas of your life, um, and there is no conviction of those sins in your life, it, to me, it doesn't matter if you prayed a prayer to camp. Mm. There wouldn't necessarily be an evidence of of true uh, Christian belief. And I would say that your involvement with the Holy Spirit, if that's the case, then I would say that your involvement of the with the Holy Spirit was one that you had through the community of faith more than it was one personally, right? So if you, if you're not if you're not convicted of sin, we all sin, right? 
but there is a conviction of sin that comes upon us in those in those moments. If that is not there, uh, you should repent very quickly, uh, because I, I don't. I would say, in fact, I'm not. I don't know if you're a believer. I think that part of the the mark of a believer is the willingness to repent for their sin and the sense that, um, yeah, the sense that what they're doing is against God and His ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, would it be so? Say sometime like you. Maybe you wronged someone you weren't sure. Or you, you had no idea that you wronged them. Mm-hmm. But then some, Greg comes to me and says, hey, Daniel, when you said that about Jeff, actually that was you know, not good. Mm-hmm. And you'd be calling me out and convicting me. And then I felt conviction. Mm-hmm. Then I, it, well, I, I, it'd be I, my duty to repent. Then. Yeah, no, and you might, but there might be, they, they don't, just because someone comes and says that to you doesn't mean they're right necessarily too, right? I mean, just because you don't feel like, oh, I agree completely with you. But there's... The, one of the real marks of Christian is humility, and that's what I mean. That's what we mean: a willingness to repent and admit one's wrong. Um, really, really proud people, and God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So I, I'm just, I'm just saying that if the mark is, no, no, I'm right, and uh, and I'm not feeling any conviction of sin at all because I'm always right. I, I'm just saying that that that's not really a good description of a Christian in the Bible. It's just not. And so as a result, if that's the way you, that's the way you are, then I, I think you should repent. Of course, the repentance requires you to humble yourself. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Holy Spirit. Cool. Thanks for that. Any last thoughts on the Spirit, Greg, before we leave this once and for all? Yeah, that's right. Never allowed to return to it again. No. <laughs> uh, no, we've, we've, <laughs> no, I mean, if people have other questions about gifts and fruit and all that be happy to chat with them but i think for now that's See, there's a great good. there's a great book that was written it i don't not everything in it is fantastic but uh j.i packard's keeping step of the spirit is an excellent book on the mm-hmm. holy spirit mm-hmm. and answers a lot of these questions i mean there's some stuff that he says in there that i, I think is reduces the spirit down to things that i wouldn't say that the spirit only does so he'll say that spirit's main main or only goal is to shine a, a light on jesus well, I think that's one of the things the spirit does, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's the only, the only thing the spirit does. So, mm-hmm. but it's an excellent, excellent treatment uh, of the Holy Spirit, in kind of a biblical theological way. Keep in step with the Spirit. It's written uh, probably in the 1980s, mm-hmm. but stands the test of time. It's really good. Yeah, and on our North Sea Facebook page, I think uh, late last week we uh, posted some resources if you did want to read more. Uh, on the spirit so you can go check out our facebook page and scroll and find that post as well yeah and make sure also to like our extra it was you say the not just the northview facebook page but we also have an extra podcast facebook page too that you can like we do so many facebook pages yes. <laughs> but that'll be more specific to the podcast so well, we're not cluttering people with resources and whatnot okay here's the next thing i want to talk about guys uh we hit daniel this is why we're here we're here to talk about things you want to talk about that's right so bring it Okay. Here we go. We talked last week about Game of Thrones. Mm. And we talked about Kevin DeYoung, a.k.a. KDY. Who has, as of this moment, today, in fact, doubled down he on doubled his down. Game, Game of Thrones things. You can actually read his uh, response to many of the responses that he got on, uh, I think, the Gospel Coalition website. You can just do a search for Kevin, Kevin DeYoung, Gospel Coalition. You'll go to his blog site where he... He responded to, in short order, to lots of things and, in my opinion, has answered quite well. Can you let us, what were some of those, really briefly? Well, I mean, people were saying things like, uh, 
you know, just stop being, ju- you're being judgmental and these sorts of things. And his, his, his argument is, is basically that, look, this is, I, it, I agree with you if this was just a preference issue, right? Like, do you like, what kind of ice cream do you like? But this is, has to do with whether or not it's, he, he's, his issue is not against Game of Thrones. He's just trying to say, is it, is it so, w- watching explicit or graphic sexual material, uh, and in the in this case, the a video of two people uh, having sexual encounters, extended sexual encounters, as close-ups and all sorts. Like, is that something Christian people should be doing? And his argument is no, it shouldn't be. He just doesn't. He just doesn't see any reason why one would do that. And one, of, I mean, one of the criticisms people have had of it is, well, the Bible ex- talks about sex. Well, and rightfully so. He says, yeah, but not like not like that. I mean, you get phrases like Adam knew Eve. Then that's the, you know, or, or Amnon raped Tamar. That's what you get, but you don't get like the dwelling on the genitals and all sorts of stuff that, that actually goes on in the video. It's not meant to titillate. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's his point. So he responds to all sorts of stuff like that. I think he does a really good job in responding to all of those critiques. And I think that his point still remains. And it's a point that should be taken seriously, especially by younger Christians, which is really his audience there. He's trying to say, look, at some point, someone's going to have to come along and say that not all the stuff that we watch is actually good for our holiness. It doesn't really bring honor to God as Christians. We look just like the world and our values. Yeah. And he asked the question at the end, why is Game of Thrones so important for people to watch? And which is a question I think that still remains. Why is it so important for people to watch this? As a, you know, again, there are, there are other beautiful things in the world. There are other beautiful cinematography, there's other beautiful cinematography that doesn't involve this. Mm. I so, think... I think the main response to that continues to be that because it's widespread in its popularity among our culture, that to be knowledgeable of it gives opportunities to have meaningful conversations about it. Yeah, so he responds to that that particular viewpoint. <laughs> he does it in a funny way. He's, his, his, he was wondering how many people have come to faith in Christ through conversations had about Game of Thrones. And if that number would be is is more than if people didn't watch Game of Thrones and then answered their friends who wondered why mm. uh, by saying, actually, I, I don't think that the view of sexuality presented by the world is actually the healthiest thing. Here, let me tell you about Jesus and the way that he views the you know views the world and calls us to a higher thing mm. and died for us. And like my, he's basically saying that to, for you to raise up the mission part is assuming that denying it. Or deny, you know, not watching the Game of Thrones wouldn't mm. provide opportunities to talk about, you know, to have a mission impact as well. Right. So then we had a question emailed in. Then, what about if you skip all the sex scenes? Totally. That's Which I mean, honestly, I don't know if you can, but if you can, sweet. I, I mean, that's a, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Then you're trying to put that into practice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's a great approach. I was mm-hmm. think that there's a there's a ministry called Vid Angel that takes these different um, shows on TV and removes some of the, a lot of that stuff out of it. Um, and I think you can pay a fee to watch that stuff online or get a membership to it if it's you like want. Seven ninety nine a month. Yeah, so you can you can do that. Again, you have to answer for me why. I mean, I'm assuming Game of Thrones is just a, a ridiculously amazing show that cannot be missed by by anybody. Uh, I, I don't believe that personally. I don't think your life is made all that much better by watching Game of Thrones or not. But I'm not. I would never condemn it if you're going out of your way to try to. There's nothing wrong with a Game of Thrones in and of itself. It's what's included, those sex scenes and those sorts of things. Yeah, if you have the ability to skip through it, that's great. Mm-hmm. 
I liked, uh, we were talking before this about how people push back against it, you know, but and it's the same as, you know, if a doctor came to you and said, okay, there's a, you're sick and this is what you need to be cured. And, the, and you said back to the doctor, no, I don't need this. Like, stop judging me for being sick. You know, it's kind of similar with Kevin DeYoung being a pastor. Yeah. And you're saying like, there's people coming to their pastor and saying, no, you, you don't get to tell me how to, what's best for me. Yeah, I got a text message from a very good friend of mine. He's a pastor in uh, the States, and he, he's listening to our podcast, and he made, he made that very point. It's an excellent point that what's weird about this whole thing is here you have a pastor, Kevin DeYoung, who's quite learned in the scriptures, and he's giving some advice, some pastoral advice and counsel to people regarding their particular lifestyle choice at this, you know, like the kinds of things they're going to watch on TV. And his counsel is, man, this is really going to lead you into places that I don't think you want to go. It's not going to be good for you. It's certainly not going to honor God. So, so I would avoid it in the same way that a doctor who has done all his schooling and stuff said, actually, you know what, your, your constitution is such that you probably shouldn't eat that much fatty meat, right? It's, just, it's not going to be good for you. It's going to hurt you in the end. And what's happened in this result or in this situation is you have a whole bunch of people, supposed Christians, who are, who are blasting a pastor for his, for his learned opinion based upon the scriptures, uh, and I, that, that my friend's point was, isn't it weird the world that we live in today that, that basically pastors, when they speak about some of these things are treated like complete morons and as if they don't ha- they don't know anything about, uh, what's going to help you in your spiritual life. Yeah. And I think that's a, I mean, I thought his point was really w- well made and he's right is that we probably should listen to our pastors a little bit more about this sort of stuff. And when they... We're not always right, pastors, but it's not like we don't come to our. It's not like we come to our conclusions lightly. Uh, we we actually have some sound reason, and if we explain them to you and say, "Well, this is what the scriptures teach here and here," and we think that this is the best, most wise path forward, I don't I don't see why that wouldn't be something that was honored. Yeah, I think one of the the realities we live in in North American Christianity and the widespread. Um, so many different Protestant denominations and all that kind of thing is that there is a real belief, I think in Christian subculture that, that religious things is in the realm of like mostly conjecture. Whereas things like the hard sciences are like, there's right and wrong. There's like a right answer to a math equation and a wrong one. There's a right way to read Macbeth and a wrong way, but then when it comes to the matters of, of theology or the application of theology in our everyday life, for whatever reason, we, we now have just busted open the seams and said, really, it's a it's a smorgasbord yeah. of options, and we'll choose the one that suits us best. Thank you very much. So there's facts and there's values. Yeah. Facts are what the hard sciences deal with. Values is what all the psychology and all that stuff deal with. What's interesting these days, honestly, is that that realm of value as opposed to fact is growing. In fact, I actually mm. think the whole transgender debate, that's, the, that's their basic argument, is that the hard scientist, biology in this case, is not determinative. How I feel is. So you can't tell me that I am a particular mm. gender by my bi- biology. I get to be whatever I want to be, which is ultimately the enthronement of the self and the individual above all things, which is similar in this case. Who are you, pastor? To tell me in any objective sense that, you know, watching explicit sex scenes is not good for my, for my spiritual life. Who are you to say that? I, what if I feel like it is? Well, 
I, I don't think I can argue with there. If you don't believe that there is some sort of outside power and authority that gets to speak to you about what's good, right, and beautiful, like the scriptures, ultimately, uh, then I don't, what are we going to talk about here? I just don't, I don't know. But then they'll say, well, no, I believe the scriptures. I just don't believe your interpretation of them. Mm-hmm. Well, never offering an interpretation of themselves, of their own, of, to a passage like, you know, in Mark's gospel, where he says, you know, couch out your eye and cut off your hand. Mm. Mm. So it's, it's just, we just want to do what we want to do. Yeah. Is all I'm saying. And that we, this day and age, we will, you know, and, and we want God to endorse it. And so we will create a system of thinking that lets us do what we want to do, have God endorse it. So I don't have to listen to you, Greg, and your dumb checkered shirt or your, your preacher voice or whatever it is that you're mm-hmm. going to yeah, talk about. And we should also like related to this conversation is we don't think that the pastor is the Pope in the sense that they can just stand there and say whatever they want. And it's true because thus saith the pastor. No, the scriptures are, are authoritative and is the, the pastor is, is right as he is according to what the scriptures are teaching. Right. So that's I'm, the thing Kevin Young's doing here. He's trying to say, look, the scriptures talk a lot about sexual immorality. Yeah. And this is one of the, the things that I know you, you have said a lot to people is, is look, you cannot like what I say in this sermon but my question isn't necessarily how much do you like or not like what I say, but am I getting this text right or wrong? Like, like can you can you demonstrate where I've mis, misread or misunderstood the text? Because maybe, maybe we have, and we'll show to be corrected, and then we'll change the viewpoint. But that's where the discussion should be. Right. We've said that before. In, in the, the discussion should be about, okay, well, I don't, I don't like this. Now, fair enough, there might have been some... Impl- a text might say something and the pastor might say the implications of this are thus and so, and they overreach in those implications. That's right. fair to say. I think you overreached in your implications. I don't think this passage is actually addressing that particular thing. That's a legit concern, and it happens a lot in a mm-hmm. lot of churches, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually, quite honestly, how spiritual abuse ends up happening, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to take the Bible and beat you over the head with it mm-hmm. over your particular issue. Mm-hmm. And that's what people's fear is, even in this Game of Thrones thing, is that they right. don't want it to become legalism. However, most of the time, we don't, that's not happening. Most of the time, the past, uh, you, know, you, you stand up and you preach what you think the scriptures are saying in their context. You present it to people and you give an idea as to how this would apply in their lives. Mm. And people don't like it. And then when they don't like it, they just don't like, they just don't like what you said. Mm. And you want, I want to say, look, wait, before you say you don't like what I said, is it, do you just not like what the scriptures are teaching here? And don't hide behind that, well, it's just your interpretation. I could find somebody else with a different interpretation. Fine, but is their interpretation valid? Is it what the author intends? Or are you just kind of picking that up so you can justify your immorality or your particular viewpoint as it currently stands? I mean, come on. But that's my, that's my point in the end. It's ultimately, I think that what we really want to defend is what we do. I don't want to make any changes. I don't want to actually hear that kind of conviction. So I, I will try to mount up whatever philosophical or theological or exegetical arguments I can to try to back back you down from your viewpoint and how dare you say it's true. Cool. I don't know how cool it is. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, those, those are good, good points, guys. Hey, what I want to do now is I actually want to... Um, Enter us into a rapid fire round. Whoa. Go. This is a new segment we have here on the Extra Podcast. And the topic we're going to be kind of doing is angels and demons. So yeah. I want to take this. You know, this is sort of, games of Game of Thrones-y. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of Holy Spirit-y. Mm-hmm. This is like now basically is, taking, you know, deep 
nuanced theology and and putting it into a soundbite, into love a it. into a tweet. I love it. Okay, yeah, yeah. so I love it. And so we're gonna do this angel and demony. Okay, little rapid fire round here. So and are so, all of my answers either gonna be angels or demons? I don't know if they're gonna be. No, they're shorter questions okay, that Greg require Harris, a shorter answer. <laughs> <laughs> they require a shorter answer. And so shorter there's, than there's demon? five of them. I got five questions here, and I want to work through all five. Tube of demons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. What is an airplane? Tube of demons. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference to a uh, video of Jesse Duplantis and uh, Kenneth Copeland talking about why they have to have a private jet because they don't want to go traveling up in the sky with a tube full of demons, <laughs> meaning people like you and me who fly coach. Because we might say hi to the pastor. Yeah, totally. And I can't pray with that people there. I can't fly with a tube. I can't hear from God with a tube full of demons. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Keep okay, back to your rapid fire. Back you can to Google the rapid that. Fire and we'll enjoy it if you want to. Okay. Question one: How do you determine if a person is demon possessed or mentally ill? If they float like a duck. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> rapid fire round on that. <laughs> you do rapid fire. Okay. That's, well, so can I let me let me phrase it this way? I'll take a first kick at this. I, I think that we we have a bent towards those kinds of either or things i think that there there may be times where there is something that is a, a physiological cause or a we're spiritual a unified cause. whole though we're a unified whole meaning that it, we i can't divorce my immaterial and material parts i can't i that right. i can't do that and the only one who can do that is god and there will be a short period of time in my existence where i will have an immaterial an immaterial part separated from a material part in the intermediate state. But mm -hmm. that immaterial part will end up being joined to a material part in the resurrection. Mm -hmm. Right? So when you're talking about me, I am immaterial and and material. So uh, is it mental illness? Sure. Demon possession? Sure. Do you, do you understand? One's dealing with chemicals, mm -hmm. and the other one's dealing with spiritual, immaterial. So mm -hmm. material, chemicals, Immaterial, spiritual, but I think they work in concert at times. So yes, that might be a problem. Spiritual, I mean, both of them should be addressed. They can both be an issue, and and at times we should pray. Mm -hmm. We should pray over you if you have mm -hmm. mental illness, and we should also seek medical help. Yeah, I think you can correct me, or you guys can debate with this if you want to. I think the language of demon possession when it comes to believers is is a difficult one. I think demon. Oppression, or demon oppression. Um, yeah. that that someone is being opposed by or influenced by a demon. But I think kind of going along with Mark Birch's sermon this past weekend, the idea that that we have that Jesus has conquered the powers and the authorities and we have the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwelling within us. And uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a habit of subletting out parts of our being to demons to say, I, well, I'll let the demon of this dwell in you, even though I'm here, too. So I think. Sometimes we have this image of you could be possessed, have a demon living in you and be a believer at the same time. I think that is sometimes unhelpful because it makes it seem like the believer who is filled by the spirit doesn't have actually the Holy Spirit dwelling in them to give them the ability to stand up against um, the the attacks of, of the enemy. So are demons real and do they, do they try to actively oppose us and cause harm? For sure. Mm -hmm. Do we also have... Are our physical bodies wrong and things break down and need fixing? Yep, they do. And so a both-and approach is going to be... See, your, your rapid fire is not working. That wasn't rapid. Was Next question, Jeff. Three minutes. That was Next like, question, Jeff. 
Why can't fallen angels repent? Go fish. (laughs) (laughs) Because God has determined that they can't. Is it as simple as that? Well, you rapid fire. Okay, but this is, you know, semi-rapid fire. This is, oh, this so is, now you're changing the rules of the game. I am. I have a sixth question. Cha- if you I start do. with one rule for the game and then you go to the second rule of the game, is that not like Can you wait, please ask that question after I ask my other ones? Hmm? You know, I don't know the answer to your question. I, I, I don't actually know. From what I understand in Scripture, uh, that the it's because God has determined that they cannot which, by the way, is not uh, unjust of him. Right. And that was going to be my point, is that God is just in allowing the demons to reap what they have sown. And God is merciful towards us in saving some. He's not obligated toward mercy right? in, the, in their case. That's what I'm saying. He's not, he doesn't ha- you don't have to. God doesn't have to give them an opportunity to repent. They've made their choice. He mm-hmm. can, which, by the way, I, I believe is the case in the eternal state with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will come a point where people will not have a choice to repent. So I don't think that's problematic. Cool. Here we go. Can angels be hurt or killed? I don't know. Well, yeah, they're thrown into the abyss. But does that mean? Does that kills? mean they cease? I don't know. Is that what you mean by killed? Like cease yeah, to be? Like can, yeah, can you have an know. angel cease to be, or an angel with a know. broken rib? I don't know. Did you ever see mm. Touched by an Angel? No. Did you ever see was Angels in the Wait, outfield? Was that, was, yeah, angel, I saw Angels in the Outfield. Was, Claren- was Clarence? Is Clarence? that where he jumps to get the ball and the angel yeah, kind of yeah, lifts yeah. him? And he, yeah. Clarence in uh, It's a Wonderful Life, he seemed like he was a little bit uh, injured emotionally. I would think they're people. Do you get what I mean by that? People? Mm-hmm. They're a person. Persons. They're not human persons. They're angel persons. But they're angel persons. They're a person, meaning that they have personality. So as a result, I would think that they show the marks of personhood, and one of those marks is uh, injury. That I'm not saying bleeding, because that's a physical trait. I don't think they have that, but I think one can be hurt immaterially. Do you think that you hurt the feelings of your guardian angel daily, Jeff? I don't know. That's rapid, rapid. That is rapid. That's, that's good radio. How in the world that's good do you radio know that right answer? There, huh? How could you know the answer to that question? <laughs> what about the guardian angel? Yeah, man. There's a passage of Matthew that talks about even their angels, about the little ones. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Great text. Yes. Believe it. Yep. Is it possible to get visited by dead relatives? Well, I, uh, dead, what happened with, uh, with Saul? The medium. No, that was uh, Samuel that he channeled, that uh, he went to the... He was not happy about being channeled. No, no. So there seems to be this kind of God in his in his providence allowed that to take place so that uh, so that Saul would be taught a lesson, I suppose. So is, it, is, it, is that possible? I actually think that uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of demonic stuff going on with all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know, but I, I would not be surprised if demons, uh, pretended to be your dead relative to try to convince you that to get you off, off track. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question before Jeff asks his sixth question. Can demons hurt you physically? Well, Job was, I would say, yeah. 
wasn't he? Job was hurt physically, so sure. I, I think the language of having to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy could very well include being but oppressed and in, in but they would be ways. using I would think the immaterial things need to use material if you want to, if you're talking about hurt physically they would have to use material means to hurt someone do you understand mm-hmm. so an immaterial thing can hurt you immaterially but a material they would in order to hurt you materially they would have to have some sort of material but a demon could possess another individual who comes and attacks you and hurts you yes or or the the anecdote and the, the experience of people, I think uh, one of our friends shared the story of being in a in their room and feeling as though a, a demonic power was overpowering them and yeah and uh, oppressing them. There was there was a physical well, that's an, uh, we're, feeling. We're a unified. Of, we're a unified whole. That's right. my point. Is that if you feel oppressed, listen. I don't even need to say that. If you have you ever felt really, really sad about a thing and not been able to eat, or felt uh, like you see a bug uh, and you're so disgusted by it that you throw up? So here, here's a material reaction to an immaterial thing. And by an immaterial thing, the the I'm not talking about the bug itself. I'm talking about the seeing of the bug. That's an immaterial. You can't. I can't open your brain up and find that photograph. So you see the bug, there's the impression of the bug, and that does something to you. That immaterial thing does something to you. This is what it means to be a dualist, in my opinion. I mean, I'm, I believe in, uh, in that we are a unified whole, but, but body and soul. That's deep right there. Where's Jeff? Andy when you need this? He's a oh, dualist, Andy. too. He'd be sitting here right now spouting off on all his stuff, philosophy stuff, and Kyle would love this. This discussion. If you ever see Kyle, you should ask him why he thinks carrots have souls. Because they're. Why does he give us a Because he's a dualist. Or is that just. We, we just have to ask him. No, just ask a, him. He's a dually. Does that mean trees have souls? Yeah. Yeah. Material things have souls. So the very grass that you step on. Living has material souls. things have souls is what he would argue. Hmm. That's good stuff. That sounds like a good opportunity. Think future. about the kinds of things that he's, he's a pastor of discipleship here. That's what kind of quack is pastor of discipleship of this church. Uh, if you're a carrot soul guy, if you are really interested in that kind of metaphysical ch- chatter, you can, uh, <laughs> JP Moreland has a great book, a bit of a tough read, but it's great called the soul that you could read. So, yeah. And you can so, talk, you can read about how Richard Swinburne as well, but that's, uh, yeah, called, yeah. He pre- he has you can read the soul. The and evolution be, of the soul is what his is called. You could read those books about the soul and it would be good there's al- for your soul. There's also... A, Almost like chicken one. soup for it. There's always a... There's also a song called... Um, it's by the Arrogant Worms, which is a... Cana- That's the name of a band? A Canadian satire band. You'd like these guys. Oh, of course I would. Satire. Um, and they have a song, I think... It's about hearing the screams of the vegetables, and it's a it's a play on on vegetarians who don't want us to eat meat because it's not kind to the animals, and it's them talking about how it's killing the souls of the carrots. Sweet. So it's actually quite a funny song. Um, I don't know what it's called, but that's free for you. Arrogant worms, vegetable song. Google it. Jeff, what's that uh, that Jack Handy quote? Was if trees were so. Um, you know the one? It's like if if trees could scream, would we we'd be so cavalier about cutting them down? That's right. Would you? I don't know. 
They don't really scream much when you chop them down. Oh, maybe they scream in a, in a, in, 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 a pit, in a pitch that you can't access. Wow, that's, that sounds like a question for Kyle Meeker. Do no harm. That's what I say. That's those are the words I live my life by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we'll leave you with that kind of wisdom right there. That was special. I hope that this episode was good for your body and your soul. And uh, we will see you next week. If you have any questions, email us extra at northview.org. Have a good week. <laughs>